0: Alrighty, hello everybody my name is ray welcome to the evangelical dark web we had a special presentation for you tonight and that is a special guest stephen wolf joining us live and uh we're gonna ask him some tough questions i guess and this is going to be a little bit more of a journalistic experience from my end anthony has read the case for christian nationalism and he did the review on it for evangelical dark web so he's going to be covering more of the uh, book angle and and then we're also going to be talking about how it relates to modern politics as well so don't forget uh if since this is live we will be interacting with chat but as far as questions go probably going to reserve the most of it for super chats unless we have time because we got some questions prepared which we don't always have questions prepared but uh for this case we do so how are you doing tonight steven
1: Good, good. I think I just fixed my audio. Is that better?
0: Yes. Okay, there good. you go.
1: Yeah, yeah, I had it wrong. Yeah, I'm doing great.
0: So obviously, you're no stranger to the controversy. And I'll just let's just start off hot, uh, you know, maybe work our way back in terms. But you're no stranger to controversy. And recently, Christian Post, which is occasionally a conservative Christian outlet is an occasionally a Christian, a liberal Christian outlet, but is always kind of a Jewish controlled Christian outlet. Because they have like an Israel piece like once a week, but anyway, they wrote an article about you, uh, you know, going after you for you know daring to ask who is Emmett Till. Because I guess they <laughs> assume that that was not intellectual curiosity. Uh, you know, if you don't know who Emmett Till is, then you must be some sort of bad person uh, for not, you know, being super informed on the most important death in American history. I don't know, but I don't quite know their what their indignation is but you know i took it as you're just kind of it's okay to question historical narratives is that you know so i'll bite who is emmett till have you figured that out yet after asking
1: (laughs) yeah it's one of those funny things where like would someone if they wanted to know who someone is actually go to twitter to ask who someone is and one of the and so of course i know who he was and the events surrounded And I did before I asked the question, it's really just, a uh, what things happen Well, like, with events and like in history, you have the actual facts of what happened on the ground. And then you have the narrative or kind of the, like, how it fits into a sort of broad narrative. And, uh, kind of the question is like, who is someone is kind of asking, well, like ha- what's the narrative? That this person has become, or that event has become. So you think of like the French Revolution. Like seems like every decade there's a new interpretation of it, even over 200 years later because of the way it's impacted history, the narrative how we understand ourselves and liberalism and nationalism and all these all these questions. So the same thing with like like Emmett Till, It's a, a tragic um, event that occurred, but it's also something where we have to now know him. Uh, almost intimately and reflect upon it, the events every single year, and then relitigate whether or not we still live in such a society, which if we say we're not, then we're racist. Um, And so kind of calling into question or kind of separating the narrative of the event versus the event itself, I think is a way to uh, kind of think clearly about what sort of propaganda is being forced upon us. So you can know about an event and also kind of question whether that the narrative of that event is something we need to kind of relitigate or use as a like a self-flagellating uh, device every single year. So that's kind of the point doesn't really come across in five words. But of course, they thought it meant that I was asking people who this person was. But
0: but um, even if you anyway, were, it's so, like, yeah. it's, it, it should have been read as, hey, who is he? Because there's so much of a, you know, a narrative fix. I've heard like conflicting things about, I I mean, I have not researched the whole Emmett Till thing. I've heard conflicting accounts on what the actual facts are, but my understanding is it was a case of, you know, vigilantism going too far. And obviously, uh, you know, white woman tears is the other, the idea of a white woman accusing a, making a false sexual assault claim i mean yeah i think the reality is probably that he might have touched her hand that he you know he did some sort of like i think because i think bill o'reilly got into a controversy 10 years ago writing the emmett till thing in his killing kennedy book and that was the narrative that he laid down was that he touched her hand to and was bragging to the other like black youths that he could like talk to white women in a way that they couldn't because he's from chicago but, I mean, I think, the, thing,
1: the thing is, though, is like, even if the, let's say that like it's that everything was as bad as everyone says it was for that event, that, I mean, the question still becomes like, what relevance is that for the broader narrative of American history or even our, you know, our present moment now? And why would we focus upon one specific event when you can think of, I mean, you could potentially think of tens of thousands of events where the, situation is reversed where it's actually it's someone a black person killing uh or raping white people and so um why don't we know any of those cases like what why don't we know the cases where there have been children that have been killed um by, by black so that it's that's not to say like let's now every single year think about all the white children killed by blacks it's just a matter of why like what purpose does it serve for the regime to focus on one specific event that occurred decades ago, a long time ago, that actually is not reflective of the, of the society we're in. Um, and yeah, let, if anything,
0: we might have too little vigilantism in our society. You know, we don't have people willing to take initiative, you know, in a right in righteous justice. I mean, you you do see, that's why when you see v- viral videos like the shopkeepers and I believe those San Francisco, you know, beating the one dude who was trying to steal cigarettes in a trash can, like you know, you don't see that in our society now and that's and you're seeing a rise in crime because you're not really seeing an initiative and then that was kind of like you know, let's go vigilante for and round up a posse for something very minute. I
1: yeah, mean, since... I mean, I mean there might be like, like you could, I think you can, in cases where there isn't civil authority present, I, I think you can, you can actually,
0: um, or they're refusing you, to do their you job You can order, you can order
1: apart from authority, you know, like just to, to exact justice. But I mean, vigilantism is probably, isn't the great thing, uh, especially when there is civil authority. But I, I do think, yeah, I, I mean, just as a kind of a broader, not vigilantism, but like the idea that there's the, a self, a sort of populist that is willing to stand up for, uh, against, uh violent or dangerous disorder. So and so you I mean we've the one of the problems is that this is if you stand up for your, for yourself or for others, uh you'll go to jail. I mean yeah, that, like there the was dude that, the on guy, the subway did. Yeah. Sub, subway example subway and you can think of other examples as well. And so it's just it's a, I mean it's a narco-tyranny basically the 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 the, the, the authorities do not punish uh violent or kind of um like vagrancy and, and other things and but if you stand up to it, you get arrested. I mean, the, on yeah. Twitter recently, there was the someone like right, right in the open. Her her bike was being stolen by a guy. And no, this was a, city,
0: no, it was a city. No, it's a city bike that she bike. would pay for, like a ride share
1: program. Oh no, I'm talking about something else. Oh I mean, well, was, we'll see. A, yeah. a, I mean, you know, you're, it happens all the
0: time, apparently. You
1: no, know, it happens. Of course, the stealing the bikes and all that. But it's a uh, but yeah, like brought like bright. It's like public. It's personal bike. Someone's stealing it. People are walking by. But would you? would you is it worth going to jail for potentially years um, for you to help this woman recover her bike from this guy like you have to now whereas you know a few years it, ago 10 20 30 you know years ago and all the way back of course you'd stand up to the guy get, get the bike back the cops and the DA and everyone would be on your side but nowadays because anarcho tyranny that that's the nature of anarcho tyranny well, to allow disorder and then when you by your own authority individual assertion um like assertiveness say no you're the one who's punished you're the one who goes to jail uh that's the same like people like kyle rittenhouse that happened with um that nco um that guy in south carolina i mean there's just there's several examples of this
0: it's funny because i when you say that like i think of like the seinfeld finale which I guess was panned at the time but if you watch it now i think it ages much better than like most sitcom finales do because it was about the opposite of that happening where they saw someone getting mugged and they videotaped him and laughed at him while he was getting mugged and then were punished for that because of you know good samaritan law or whatever And oh. that was the seinfeld finale but we are living to see that very same finale play out except there's no punishment or even societal deterrence. you get a viral video on world star and, you know, copyright and you can sell it to uh, media organizations and make money for having these types mm-hmm. of films. Uh, th- there's no incentive, you know, th- there's a monetary incentive to just stay back and get it all on video and let people get and let people suffer in broad daylight. And that's what you see nowadays
1: yeah i'm not i'm not aware of that but i'm i can imagine yeah there's some business in recording but uh, i mean in a way that's the best you could do i mean again like is it worth going to jail to recover that woman's bike i mean it, it's i don't it's probably not no, you want to be um but World the best Star. you can do the best you could do is record it and post on social media and complain about the disorder i mean it's pathetic but i mean i, I don't know um yeah yeah that but that is true yeah people would rather just record there are the, the like the whole bystanders who just who just who just actually do it just to record and not actually to help, but uh. So, I, I, but, know, I mean that, that's a, an arc of tyranny. I think it'll just get worse and worse. Right. Um.
0: So, is your next question going to be, what was the Tulsa massacre? <laughs> I mean, I feel like that yeah. event's yeah. been rewritten a lot. Yes. Like I'm not entirely sure what happened in that because you have like the HBO. uh What was that? Watchmen. Watchmen. Or, they or, did or like Rokemen. Watchmen on HBO, which was a terrible tv show that got canceled after one season and then they tried to say it was a limited series afterwards when they didn't sell it as such beforehand and it's like i watched two episodes like this is bad and boring but yeah it's like they they try to really hammer in on that and it's just like so many events i wonder how you know how much our history has been infected with you know just for a narrative like to me like the the example that's probably been most on my mind is like how the united states got into world war one and i think the zimmerman telegram was one of the primary reasons i'm like that had to have been fake right because there's no way the germans would want a failed state in mexico to attack the united states like that's not a realistic plan is it you know mexico's embroiled in the civil war and they want the mexicans to attack the united states for like land promises like that's not a realistic plan uh, but and is that real? But you know, the real reason the United States entered World War One was because J.P. Morgan was the largest creditor of the on Triple Entente, and if the Triple Entente would lose, they would default on all that debt. So he lobbied Congress to get it, you know, to get the war train going. And it's like that's why America went went into that war because we didn't, you know, get anything out of it except for our credit, our loans, or the rich people's loans. So it's kind of like how much of our history, you know, you got a lot of people nowadays questioning the moon landing again. Uh, I think questioning 9-11's in vogue as well. No, that one's a little. Uh, uh, Yeah, I mean, there's problems with the United States narrative and Vivek Ramaswamy apparently got into trouble because he said that the Saudis were more involved. Yeah, I mean, they're now openly admitting the Saudi involvement, which probably leads back to somewhere else. Yeah. So it's, yeah, like- I mean, well,
1: well, like history. So like, you know, the, you're going to have like regime, basically, basically regime history. And so I think they're just like after, after the founding in the 19th century, you have a bunch of historians writing about the United States and they're and when they're positive, they kind of talk about how it's Christian. There's a, there's a kind of um a positivity towards the country. Like this goes even in like 20 in the 20th century. Um, there's a sort of positivity uh, and, and now what we're seeing, I like, there's a positivity towards like the big figures, you know what I mean? Like George Washington and, and, and Thomas Jefferson, those guys. And now what you're seeing, you still have positivity, but it's actually towards the, the so-called marginalized and the people who overcome. So the, the regime, like you can, you can, the like, first you...
0: black person to do something, something, something.
1: Yeah. So and, like, and, if you, if, if you look at, yeah, like, so history's, Something like, that. like the, the people who the, the the people who matter and don't matter or the the the, um, the heroes and the villains kind of that show up in the history that kind of tells you the uh, what the regimes like who are who are the, the, the special people in in the regime. And so you think of the like who is who is the, the, the villain of American history is essentially the white male uh, nowadays. Uh, so yeah, uh, you, and then you can't really. You generally like you know regime-approved history cannot really s- say anything positive um, about them unless it has something to do with the the favored groups and the favored groups are the essentially the non-white or the 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 woman, um, and so that that's those are now the heroes that people overcame, and that that's that that progresses into like essentially to become a. Uh, like a hero in our society today, you have to overcome this kind of past oppression that was forced upon you by essentially white males. So I think that's how like history is just a way to kind of kind of move us into the future, kind of establish the hero villain dichotomy, and then and, and point that. I, I think the there
0: future. are times where there's a hero in history, and there's times when there's no hero in history. and It's just two villains playing fighting each other or maybe you know there's two people fighting each other that are kind of both good but they're just you know circumstances out of their control or uh you know uh they're just forced to fight each other for even no good reason i uh, i mean history is a lot more complicated than you know e- then they try to make it seem in history or you know you can look at the civil war uh for in- american civil war is a clear example of that uh but there's a lot about our history that has a very you know shady narrative thrown on it and if you dare question the regime narrative you know you're gonna get canceled for being racist and all that other stuff um i i want to move on to another so-called controversy but i first want to remind you all to smash the like button to help uh, the live stream get that out there it helps with the live stream but if you are new to the channel definitely subscribe because that is one of the best things you can do to help videos and this channel grow so we'd appreciate that as well as the audio listeners later on uh smash that subscribe button as well so one of the things that's kind of fascinated me is your uh relationship with canon press you know after you i believe it was after you tweeted the White evangelicals are the lone bulwark against moral insanity. They kind of dunked on you for that. Am I correct, or is, did they dunk on you for something else?
1: Uh, they I think that they expressed disagreement with it, and then
0: and then I see that the the roles have kind of flipped a little bit where they're publishing this. It's Gilder, right? He, he's yeah, written this yeah. book that has like these excerpts from the book that I've seen are all like divine feminine energy thing, and it's like you know, marriage was invented by God to civilize man because, you know, man, man is too uncivil and primal and needs to be civilized. And that's what women in marriage do. And women are sexually superior to men. It's all this weird type of divine feminine energy stuff. And it's weird. And then you, you've expressed disagreement with them and they're kind of like doubling down on, on this material. So I'm kind of interested to know is like, you Know if you ever have another book, you know, is Canon Press going to be your go to for publishing, or are you going to look like elsewhere, or you know, can are you guys just adults disagreeing on things, or is it is there? Maybe? Yeah, I mean, I, I can
1: genuinely say that, yeah, I, I'm still, yeah, there's no like hard feelings with them. We're still, we've still text back and forth, and we still talk back and forth. Yeah. I mean, you know, we emails, texts, I, I talked to the acquisition editor on the phone, so um about a month ago so yeah like there's no hard feelings we're not we're not a bunch of i don't no. know like schoolgirls the hard feelings but uh but yeah I mean I, I I would publish with them again I mean the thing is like, so they they published the book i I didn't like some of the language in the book I disagree with it but I mean I mean canon think about i canon published my book and it was even though they're they're kind of not they're not new to, to controversy and and um, some of the claims I make in the book there still is like my method and other assumptions in the book. They I think, generally speaking, is not what the canon crowd would affirm. So they, they do publish books that they do not necessarily agree with or that they know be kind of controversial, even among their own kind of their audience. Uh, but they, they did kind of double down on it, but that's also kind of also what they do. It's um, their,
0: it is Doug it's, Wilson's I, brand to do, double down on everything.
1: Yeah, it, it's just who he yeah. is.
0: Even if he wants to nuance yeah. it afterwards, it comes with a double down. Everyone in uh that camp kinda likes to double down on things like what was it, ba- credo baptism leads to transgenderism and they just they double down on that. And even though that's kind of a ridiculous argument on on the prima fascia, it's just a ridiculous argument. Uh but nonetheless, you know, what was it? Yeah, well the Not- problem
1: there is that they they did they defended yeah, I mean the claim is dumb, but also, but there's more. To, they, they shouldn't. They shouldn't lose credibility for that guy. But um, anyway, um, just yeah. But I mean that's kind of what Canon does. Uh, and I, I again, there's just no no hard feelings. I'm not saying this to like you know try to not create controversy with them, but it's just genuine. I could, could text you know Brian okay. Cole right now, and uh, he'd probably I, respond. I just wonder, say, oh, it's, it's cool. like, so. Yeah, it is
0: interesting. You know. To see, you know, a publisher and an author kind of like disagree on social media like that. I'm like, is there beef? Is there is like, huh? is this how I'd like to be treated if I, you know, because I have a book that's eventually going to come out when I do all this uh, post editing paperwork kind of stuff, which I hate doing, uh, but I got to do it. But it's like, huh. I just kind of wonder because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to enter in the game of. I'm going to do one nonfiction Christian book, and then that's going to be it for me and my nonfiction book selling at all. Uh, that's my plan. But I, I just kind of wonder, cause you know, professional curiosity, so to speak. So it's interesting that, you know, you guys are all adults and, you know, it's again, it's kind of on brand for you as well to get cheeky on social media and stuff like that, you know, and, and to maybe troll, but you know, you went publicly yeah. disagreeing with them. They publicly disagree with you and it's, still a friendly relationship at the end of the day because yeah you know, but i mean it was, it was also kind of in good shot.
1: fun too because they said like to be clear this is dumb on uh, on my post and then i responded back to them I, so it's just it's just kind of fun like if i didn't like canon press you guys would definitely know i didn't like them. i think uh, if you follow me on twitter you'll kind of gather who i don't who i don't care for so, <laughs> so um if i didn't like those Disney. guys i i would i would definitely do more than i've done
0: but anyway. Uh, we do got some fan mail for you. Jeremy says, just want to say base. Love you guys. Can't wait for your next book. Dr. Wolf. Oh,
1: so, okay.
0: Any uh, word on what that might be or anything in the process? Uh, I'm, I'm,
1: I'm lazy and I'm trying to be a uh, a terrible farmer. I actually, I spent, <laughs> I spent about half the day today on the tractor. Um, so I, I'm, I'm lazy when it comes to writing, but yeah, I, I want to write. Uh, so I'm, in fact, yeah, anyway, I won't show you my notes, but I'm, I'm writing a, a notes on um a book on just on home. Like, what does it mean to be? What does home mean? So, you know, home means a lot of things. It means home in your house. It means homeland. Um, Blood and soil. Is, yeah, I mean, there there's aspects of that a little bit. Um, and yeah. so uh,
0: and, I guess one of the other things is like back a few months ago, it's like you were getting accused of racial dog whistling for saying you know which way western man are invoking that language in your oh, yeah. book or twitter account it's like
1: that's just like the, there's a guy from reason that's like a, a meme right like yeah, i mean he's he's a he's just a midwit i mean so no, when, no that was virgil walker well i'm well yeah but i but i, I mean that, that, that it's midwit rhetoric and i don't mean that as an insult so uh, i mean i guess it is an effect but i i mean that, that it's uh to to say like oh you used a phrase from a guy who was like this and that and he said this and that like you literally have used some words, um and then somehow link that up to say well Wolf's a white supremacist it's just silly dumb rhetoric, it, it works for maybe social media when you have a following of midwits, um or you know you have a your your website's called Reason you no know, Reason I'm gonna use stupid rhetoric. I mean, um,
0: they have some pretty bad articles whenever I they mean, try to libertari- address faith matters. Oh, it, it's Libertarian,
1: they're 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 a joke. The like, reason is a joke. Um, so it's it, yeah, like libertarians, they, they like to play up the, this idea of reason. But that's a whole different, whole different uh, discussion. They don't know the first things of logic or thinking properly, but um,
0: uh yeah I, yeah so okay. that's silly like honestly
1: if anyone spends any time online they'll know that which way Western man is a common it's a line. meme but it, maybe even meme. that guy yeah.
0: co opted in order to you know invoke some sort of white supremacist message like I I kind of saw that as a meme and it's like the fact that you were kind of accused of a racial dog whistle which is a very liberal term uh you know dog whistles again you know Democrat like. Yeah. I, I'd never heard of Republicans accusing Democrats of dog whistling until, you know, maybe after Democrats started using that term on Republicans. Cause everything's sort of coat, everything in, you know, Donald Trump was saying in like 2017 was code for white supremacy and stuff like that. And the liberal media was trying to go after him. And, you know, all these kind of, all these terms kind of like came back in vogue. The okay stuff. symbol. Yeah. Yeah. That, which is a 4chan troll, but uh, we do got a super chat question. Su- uh, for ten dollars, chief of sinners, ask what helpful strategies can be employed against pity play maneuver, uh, page one hundred and seven of the sociopath next door by Martha Stout. That modern Jacobins use to disarm their targets. So I guess this is a target about uh, uh, a question about good
1: citizenry and uh, pity pity play. Maybe it's too late for me to know what that is. It's too late over here. North Carolina. Um, so Jacobins
0: want to disarm their target. I think we can yeah, use context clues for that part, right?
1: I mean, yeah, the the idea that someone, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, there is this kind of a appeal to uh, pity, a victim, victim, uh, like to, to become a victim, and then I think it's probably more like empathy. I think the, i think empathy is the big problem. It's uh, it's essentially unbridled. I like to say unbridled empathy. Uh, that's uh, it, it affects uh, women and and. Women adjacent men or males, uh, and so you have yeah. Like essentially, you have uh, people kind of lose their mind in the streets, and then you have empathy for them, even though it's both destructive to them and and uh, people the empath- empathizers. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know what pity play is. I wish I did. It's, I uh, it's, it's destruct- feels- okay. There you go. I, yeah. I feel yeah. 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 So I, I would just say, empathy. yeah. I mean, h- how to empathy. fight against it? It's it's very. I mean. It's hard because it's uh, I think first of all you kind of have to point out for like what it is and you have to I think call men to to stop um, I mean this is the problem is that that when when you have a sort of gynocratic regime, a gynocratic era, the way for men to gain power is essentially be empathetic to uh, to um, excessive degrees kind of like women can be. And so that, that's what I mean by female adjacent to be female adjacent. Like, so that that's just a phrase I, I borrowed from the left they, they like to talk about white adjacency Have you Heard that to be white, like Asians are white adjacent. That's why yes, they're successful. Yes. So to become female when you're female adjacent, a female adjacent man or male is essentially adopting or conforming to the habits of a gynocratic, you know, female dominated space. And that's how they gain power like that. That's how they can be relevant and have good standing and so men then then start adopting this unbridled empathy Um, in some ways maybe it's natural to them or maybe it's just kind of them figuring out the strategy to how to kind of gain clout and and standing um I I, I think like first of all I think just call men to dignity so that they don't use the the, don't have unbridled empathy that actually can judge a situation for what it is and not, not be a naive and say what needs to be said. Um, and uh, you saw this recently online with that woman from San Francisco, who was like some guy walked up to her and said, like, Oh, I'm going to rape you or whatever. And she had that. Do you see that video? Like a two minute video of her saying, I don't know. I don't know. I can't feel safe in San Francisco anymore. And then Matt Walsh posted and says, I have no sympathy for this woman. And then all these these other people got offended by him. By why don't you have. Yeah, because she
0: voted for that.
1: Yeah, like it's like
0: undoubtedly you're a single white woman living in San Francisco. I mean, did you not vote for that?
1: So for men, it's like, well, how do you solve this problem? Well, you don't start talking about her feelings. You don't you know, you don't think about all that. The the guy who said it must be mentally disturbed. No, you think what policy is going to fix this problem? Like, how are you going to solve this problem? And so you take out all that, uh, uh, all that like, oh, I feel bad for her. Let's let's say, you know, let's be understanding. No, it's just like stop voting for liberals. Like stop voting for the left. (laughs) That's what it comes down to. Um, So that's just one example. But I I think that's it. You have to you have to call men to um, to be assertive and uh, judge a situation rightly. Don't be taken in by emotions. Um, Don't be don't be manipulated. Yeah. And, and also, like, just realize that if you're in, you're in this female centered, centered world, that uh, where you're kind of called to be like that and you just have to resist it, you have to fight it and call it out. I mean, I, so I don't know. I don't I know wonder, what else to is do. It I empathy
0: mean, a scam?
1: Well, I mean, there's something good about it. Like you can you can empathize with someone who's in pain or like because you've had the pain as well um certainly if someone like uh someone's like my my father recently died about a year ago um and so i would certainly understand someone whose father has recently passed away so there there is like em- empathy is good it's like you you can kind of be in that person's shoes like wow yeah that's i can understand and
0: i mean i know um, the biblical you know jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses it doesn't say he empathizes with them so i just kind of well, like yeah. wonders like our whole linguistic change to say sympathy is not enough you got to empathize i'm like huh and then you see that you know also with the rise of social emotional learning so we have like a massive shift towards focusing on emoting
1: yeah as a well i mean it just, I just goes I back i just wonder i mean it just goes back to like the emmett till thing it's like well when i think of that i guess i'm a cold rational male or whatever but when i think of the situation horrible situation regardless of the facts of the matter you know it seems whether it's murder or not i understand there's like controversy on that kind of it but it's still it's like well okay well, well let's look at this rationally according to our situation today and even then um and get get away from this oh this like, like people are offended like they're they were so emotionally offended by the fact that i don't like dwell upon this every other day about what happened in 1955 or whatever you know or that every year i'm not going to sort of genuflect over this this uh this event that it happened in a state that's Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code Program for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.
0: I don't even know what state it oh, was.
1: Mississippi, the poorest Mississippi. state in the country. Oh, I'm sorry. I just I just lost but, you guys for a second. That no you one cares about it
0: at any other time of the year.
1: Everything suddenly turned off. You, you hear me? Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You didn't okay. quite disappear, but you kind of stopped.
1: OK, I'm not but sure what happened. we, we kind of anyway. Yeah. So you got that. that that's like, yeah. So I, I guess I'm the least sympathetic person ever. But um, that, that's the sort of thing I'm talking about, where instead of having this emotional reaction to some event where it's clearly propaganda, it's clearly you're being manipulated. It's clearly you're trying to be empathetic with this event that you're so far distanced. Most people are so far distanced from. Um it doesn't uh, doesn't actually say anything about your life or the the real world you live in, but yet you're supposed to identify it that's that's unbridled empathy that needs to be cut not cut off from people so that you can actually solve actual world life uh, real problems um, and and uh, not be manipulated so that that's that's kind of what I'm talking about. That's a long answer for that. I don't know to super super Chad, do I get that money do you guys get that money? <laughs>
0: How does this
1: uh, work? i answered the question don't i get the, money? the
0: question <laughs> i don't know how it works like we'll get like <laughs> how much was seven... that ten dollars yes but we'll get Listen. like maybe seven of it or i don't know they they take their cut but youtube already like lowered. like i think ad rates have gone like really downhill this month like ad, ad rates like plummeted so you don't uh across the board I'm- not <laughs> just in this but uh anyway anthony has read your book he might have some questions lined up Uh, uh, so one of the one of the things i mentioned in my review is one of the core principles of the case for christian nationalism is the notion of particularity and the objective drawback to his work is the lack of particulars so one thing i kind of want to hash out are what are three issues that Christians should be prioritizing politically? And we're just going to take abortion off the table because that's just the obvious one. So, I mean, is there like what, certain issue- issues or. Yeah. Three other issues from abortion. What would be like the priority items for like step one of Christianizing a nation?
1: Okay. So by particulars, you mean like the actual, the action plan? Like what do we do? From yes.
0: Here? It, okay. A triage of action.
1: Yeah, Uh I, I think there's, so it depends on, like, if you think about national policy or local policy or state policy or just interpersonal life, I think all those are going to be different. I think national policy immigration is is essential. Uh, yeah, because that's essentially, immigration is largely controlled by the federal government at this point. So I think immigration control, and I, I would, if we're up to, I mean, if I could do it, I would just say zero very limited legal immigration and absolutely zero illegal immigration.
0: I mean, uh, we're and, at, and we're at an inflated economy that I don't see how we can sustain millions of immigrants each year when we have you know I don't know what the ratio is like the ratio between public sector and private sector jobs is like near fifty percent in a lot of places. So our economy is very fake. Uh, yeah. Like we don't have enough jobs, so to speak, and we want to reduce the size of government, not you know, it, and if half the people are half the labor force is like government adjacent, I don't see how you can have the immigration flows that we have. Like this isn't the eight, late 1800s where we're just booming eco- economically.
1: Well, yeah, it's not just economics. It's just, it's that most immigrants tend to vote for Democrats. And I think Democrats and, are, I mean, that's one reason. So, I mean, there's a reason why they de- want Democrats, amnesty. Democrats have absolutely the most insane policies you can imagine. Um, and, uh, that on the social side, I mean, economics, I guess is a little bit different, but the, but the social side, like transing kids is just like insane. Um, and yet most immigrants still vote for uh, Democrats. That's one reason, but I think that there's other reasons that are kind of, that are less visible to a lot of people. So I was just in, uh, Scottsbluff, Nebraska. Now probably you guys have never been there. No. Uh, and, uh, I was talking to people there. I was there for a few days. A friend of mine is a pastor there, and he was telling me that 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 the one third of the population is essentially Hispanic now. Um, and, and only 20 years town. ago, yeah, it was like a small town and almost t- like 20 years ago it was very, very few Hispanics. And now they're dealing with like they have a lot of drug issues. they have obviously um, into like intercultural issues. They have social system issues. Schools are now dealing with, uh, you know, like English, like uh, English as second language issues. Uh, there's also just, uh, just, just general cultural. I mean, and these guys never really voted for it. I mean, they, they never voted to have their town transformed demographically. You ask them, are you know, I didn't ever ask them, but if you ask them, are you racist? And they deny it up and down. But when you have that massive flow in a small town of a lot of culturally different people it's disrupts the way of life, the place. So this is happening all over the country. Just, just about 10 miles from me. There's a town, uh, that's very similar where, um, it used to be kind of a somewhat like, I guess, uh, middle class, maybe lower middle class, uh, just kind of North Carolina town. And now it's like one third Hispanic again and dealing with the same issues. The other one now, nothing against Hispanic people, but uh, but when you have that sort of kind of influx of people at a, a high rate, it disrupts the yeah. kind of community. We, itself. we so, live in anyway, that, that's, that's we live
0: in Maryland, which is probably the most diverse state in the country in terms okay. of, Yeah, you know, it's not just, you know, New York City is obviously pretty diverse, yeah. but it's not the entirety of the state. What, but I mean, the, like the entirety of Maryland is uh, pretty uh, not homogenous, the opposite of that uh, ethnically and all that. So, i mean you definitely see it so i i guess we're used to it we're, we haven't seen like we never grew up in a world where it was like only white people and then you know there goes neighborhood or anything like that like that that's but you're describing like yeah, i mean i so i where... i grew
1: up in california and i i was born in the 80s father was born in california in the in the 40s and uh and that that state has just utterly transformed from kind of this, like the golden state to really kind of a dump. Um, yeah. And it's uh it, it's. It, uh, oh, man, the not, immig- well, I the mean, his, yeah, he, the Hispanic well, population mean, doubled between well, the censuses. Yeah. Well, it's not, I mean, this this isn't so much not, this is not necessarily like a demographic issue, apart from the fact that that they tend to vote for Democrats. But it's just the, the fact that it's been radically transformed uh, places where that used to be kind of a heavy kind of like Irish ancestry um, kind of in the Bay area are now utterly they're gone. Like there's no, it's essentially a, a, a minority, like a white people are the minority in those, these places. So anyway, there's just this massive change uh, culturally in, in a state very rapidly within one generation, and that that's just uh no one i mean pe- people didn't ask for that so anyway but that that immigration I guess, number one yeah, yeah that was a long explanation <laughs> all right where else we yeah so i think at the state level uh the state because of the the federal federal system states can do have a lot of power i think that that's where the whole, the christian nationalism can actually do really well potentially uh which is that the state governors can essentially kind of be a, a resistance to the federal government and uh, and and that sort of thing. So I, th- I think that the, the state level is really gonna where we're gonna make your money. But I think the important thing is for like us because it's easy for us to talk about politics every day and to talk about policy. But I think like we ought to as we ought to uh, actively in our personal lives meet like-minded people locally, not just to share ideas, but also try to establish networks, uh, of like, you know, of service, of, of products, um, parallel food. economy. Yeah. A sort of alternative counter economy or parallel economy, something like that. Uh, we should all kind of seek after something like that. Um, it's not, maybe not, maybe not, uh, possible for everyone, but, um, I, th- I think that, that, that is what we'll need. I partly because I think young people like, uh, yeah. Um, uh, when, when you have these, like these relational networks at kind of the local level, younger people can then find ways to get employment that is dignified work and also doesn't require them to, you know, spout off the, the woke nonsense and in, in the corporate sphere. So they can, they can like, you know, so it kind of gives them an avenue for dignified work and then that so I, I think that those are, there's probably more I could say on all that, but just leave it at that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I like how you kind of like stratify if that's the correct word between like the different levels of governance, uh, even going down to kind of like self-governance and how there's stuff you can do to implement Christian nationalism in your own life with the parallel economy, uh, you know, and then on the federal level, the best we can really do is like re- immigration, you know, reform might be an, You know an understatement of what needs an overhaul basically of what the current system is and you kind of allude to the idea of replacement theory because you know the idea that certain demographics don't vote republican they vote democrat and you know those the democrat policies are objectively evil i mean and the people that try to you know push back on that clearly have not read the you know democrat party platform of you know 2020 which is You know, easily available. But even if you go back to 2012, this is the thing the grooming children was in the Democrat Party platform in 2012. They telegraphed exactly what they were going to do, and then they did it. And now people are waking up and saying, We didn't ask for that, or we didn't vote for this. And you see some people trying to leave the left and say that the left left them. It's like, No, that was in their platform 10 years ago. So they are. Fulfilling their natural, their logical conclusion, and if you and if you read the current platform, it is Marxism on every page, pretty much. So this is where they're going to head. They're going to turn us into something more like, you know, Trudeau's Canada. Uh, and you know, the and the Republicans are largely too stupid to stop themselves from becoming the Canadian Conservative Party. Uh, that their CCP. So it's a it's a you know, that's where they want to take things. And then on the state level, again, you point out that the governors have the most power. I mean, you definitely see that with the Ron DeSantis in the Disney fight. Uh, You see that in some other governors as well. I got to give Greg Abbott some credit, though, for lining the Rio Grande Grande River with the uh, buoys as a barrier to illegal immigration. Gotta give him some credit for that because the third terms try, fighting right? him on that. Yes, it took him three terms to do something <laughs> meaningful to address the issue. But he is he he can be moved, even if he's you know not on our side. It's interesting that the Republican base has moved a lot in the last you know since 2014, because um, that's when the environment was primed for Trump and all that. The Republican Party base has moved so much that now our governors are—you know—the governors that aren't on our side, like Glenn Youngkin, goes to a woke church. He's a—he's a liberal in real life, but he'll govern more conservatively because he wants to advance his own career. And then Greg Abbott might do the same, although he's not running for president. Oddly enough, Uh, it's very interesting to see how radicalized the—you know—right wing is getting, in a good way, and how that's transforming you know, mediocre politicians into stepping up and giving some more better bone, giving the dog better bones than they used to. Uh, I don't know if you had anything to say on like how the, you know, Republican right-wing politics has changed in the last 10 years. And
1: uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, like in substance, I think it's, it, there, there's problems, but I, I think that, uh, like it's, there, there's a lot of people on like, you know, so-called conservatives who are now essentially top, like pro trans. So right. right. Th- th- of course, like it's, you know, that that's, but that's what conservatives do is they just become the liberal of yesterday, yesterday, year, whatever. Um, Which you um, mentioned in your book. Yeah, but, but yeah, but the, uh, what was I was going to say the, uh, yeah, but I think the the right what what's what's promising, and this is being kind of in, like injected into conservatism and and the right is the importance of uh, government power in achieving goals. So if there actually is like we're not we're not in the 80s and 90s where I mean there's probably there's things we could have done then too, but we have to we have to think that we're not in this sort of neutral world where we can kind of get along and be and, and get along with each other where. We're in a world where literally these people are morally insane, and uh, we have to use power. I mean, I, don't, I, I don't know. It, it's weird how like you hear David French and and what's his name Jonah Goldberg and these other guys talking about the moderate. Like, what's the mod? The moderate position is like, is uh, yeah, we're pro trans, but we just don't want and we're eighteen pro, we're after eighteen pro trans right? for kids.
0: After 18 you can do the surgery but maybe even before that you can But before that surgery. yeah you can the whole yeah.
1: pronoun thing like the, the yeah so in in 10 years what what the what is the moderate position like what is Jonah Goldberg going to believe then you know in 2030 I mean the idea of being socially you know,
0: liberal fiscally conservative so it's like you're a communist that wants a good budget like uh, y- you want a trans kids but you want a balanced budget like what does that even mean anymore But you talk about neutrality and it's interesting because we, there were multiple hurdles to overcome, but the first one is on information. I think conservatives finally realized that media isn't neutral. So they conservatives, I think first rejected that neutrality was neutral in media. And you see this Mm -hmm. with Trump going after the fake news and all that. Um, When, once they realized that, you know, that the media isn't neutral, you started seeing people that hey society isn't neutral either and you you're kind of seeing the unraveling of the matrix i mean it's taking a lot longer than it should like it took too long to realize that the media wasn't neutral um but now you're seeing that you know people are realizing that society isn't neutral as well um
1: yeah i i think that's yeah that's right um and people are nostalgic for like the 80s and 90s and oh, no not even that like just the the you know like the james lindsay's of the world if we could just get back to 2014 like 2014 where people you know there's gay marriage everyone's happy and let's just go back to that point and so there's a nostalgia for that and, and christians are nostalgia for nostalgic for maybe the 80s and 90s or early 2000 or something like that um thinking that oh that's the neutral world where we can be where we can all kind of just get along and, uh, but yeah, that, that was just a, but that was a predictably temporary, um, affair. And of course there was like a moral underpinning of even that era. So it wasn't even neutral. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, does
0: America have a golden age?
1: Um, I don't know. That's a good. Good question. I, I don't, uh, I, I couldn't say, I couldn't say when there was a golden age, like I if, mean, you got to think that I the mean, Eisenhower there's, there's...
0: years might have been pretty good because America was like materially wealthy and, okay. uh, you know, height of power. So, in, in some I mean, of I guess respect. I guess you could say so like maybe you could say that was maybe, a golden maybe, but... age. That's not really an age. It's just a decade. yeah. I, mean, I
1: don't really want to commit to like if there's a golden age, but um...
0: it, it, it's just a fascinating question because, yeah. you know, it, if you're talking about nostalgia, it's like nostalgia for what? Do we have a golden age? Um, you're saying you know the '80s aren't really a golden age for America because we have all these other problems going on. So I'm like, what is our golden age? I've heard some people say the Gilded Age. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that, but it it just makes you think. Well, it's called the Gilded for a reason. Yeah,
1: uh, I th- I think like it, like n- the problem with nostalgia uh, is that like you can separate nostalgia and memory. So memory is where you actually have memory of like personal memory or like maybe. Like memory, like within the family of events, so you have kind of the stories, and I, I don't, I wouldn't say like, like you know you, the the story of your grandfather, you know, but, but my my grandfather on my dad's side was from New York, and they kind of hitchhiked to California. So there's that story. Um, that's not really nostalgia of that of that, but um, but nostalgia can be this thing where we have this idealized picture of something that we then try to get back to. And I, the problem, conservatives kind of have that mentality, but I, I, you know, instead of having this like reactionary nostalgic turn, I think we should take the best of our, our our history and our tradition, understand the realities on the ground now and and move forward into the future, kind of realizing that in in a way we're never going to, we're never going to return to, um, at least, you know, within our, within our lifetime, we're never going to return to the, the 1780s. Um, for for many reasons, um, so or the 1770s, but that, that at the same time, those principles and those actions can kind of inform what we do in the future. So um, uh, Anthony, yeah. all right. Yeah. So yeah one but... thing I want to ask was uh, how
0: influential or what was the impact of Donald Trump within the concept of the Christian prince? And this isn't saying Donald Trump is a Christian, mm-hmm. but like obviously yeah, the rise it? of Trump is. Like to me, when I read the chapter, the rise of Trumpism was probably one of the on the foref- forefront of my mind. Just, you know, this is what people yeah. wanted Trump to be, not necessarily what he was.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's good. I, I, I haven't thought of that. I wonder if there has been. Yeah. It's interesting. P- people point out things about the book, and then I have to realize, yeah, maybe I guess there was uh, an influence there. Um, I, yeah, I, I think Trump, like, I, I I thought that that Trump in 2016, he was like a uh, sometimes I call it like the Trump event, which uh, it you know, like the, the idea that Trump was like an event in history. Um, he's, so you separate the person. He's a guy who just who showed up on the scene in history politically and made a, a like a, a significant break and and nothing afterwards. Like th- they can't return. Like it's a it's an utter new like new possibilities opened up. So, like, events in history would be, like, American Revolution, the French Revolution, the Civil War, um, World because War that, II. Because that's the chapter. All these are, like, all these. Yeah. Because that's
0: the chapter that gets the most flack. Of all the chapters in the book, that's the one that probably gets the most yeah. flack is this idea of the Christian prince. And I think it is tied to people's, or your, particularly those that are detractors, their perception of Donald Trump. Because, I mean, yeah, next, I, after I that, think, you have the yeah. right of revolution, which I would say is, like, how how do you not get anything on on that chapter? Basically, <laughs> yeah, ad, I, I got some.
1: I got some. But I, but I think because because people know like again Trump, it, it's it's smart to like point this out like in connection with Trump because Trump opened up this possibility of like the populist, charismatic leader of the people. I mean he he shifted like for, for like just take I like a state like Iowa which used to be. Iowa used to be um, a Democrat kind of a, state, a, a swing state, and Trump completely turned it into one of the strongest Republican, like pro Republican states in the country. Uh, and so, so any, anyway, like this, this a certain leader who who changes things that nothing that can't change back. And I think the Christian Prince is kind of like that, and that's why I described this Christian Prince at in kind of more charismatic terms, uh, someone who cannot. I was, you don't know want, like I, I thought about like at first, like I'll talk about the I'll, I'll talk about the civil magistrate or the civil ruler. but that sounds like magistrate sounds like he's a you know, like Paul Ryan could be a Christian magistrate something like that. which is the policy walk, Prince, I mean, I mean that it was
0: it was a Machiavellian term because Machiavelli. yeah, the, I
1: mean, I actually did not have Machiavellian mind uh, when i when I wrote it. I had actually more in mind the, it was very common. I mean, the reason why Machiavelli called it the prince is because everyone called it prince back then. And he just wanted to talk about the prince. <laughs> um, and it, we just happened because of our, our the canon of, of Western political thought, that's the prince. So anyway, but if you read like the the 16th, 17th century and, and earlier, they're always talking about the, the the Christian prince, it's very common. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I described, I, I didn't use Machiavellian terms or language in the, in the chapter, but. But you do need someone, uh, who's going to show up or who's going to kind of appear in history and, uh, be this like rallying figure for, uh, a, a kind of a sort of return, um, to, uh, the, the, heritage of faith in the country. I, I just, I don't know how, uh, apart from like this sort of unprecedented, like, um, spiritual awakening that, that leads to political politics and all that, um, like from the purely from the ground up without some sort of figurehead. I, I think that we need a, someone to like arise and be basically sort of earth, like the earth shaker, I guess.
0: Basically the Israelites in the desert and you know, oh, they see God and then they're just like, oh, no, we don't want to, we, we don't want it. Uh, Moses go before us because the, the thundering, uh, booming of the Lord basically, and they're, they're too frightened of God. So they just say, Moses, do it for us. Kind of like an abdication.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, and, I, I kind of have in mind, like, yeah, I just, I, you know, pe- people st- like have weird thought, like, well, what is he talking about? Like, I think in the American context, I'm thinking like George Washington, like because George Washington, like even after, like after his death, like the, the average family would have some kind of figure of Washington in their living room painting or some kind of like sculpture or a bust somewhere in, in their living room. He was so revered. Uh, and so, and like well, you see it in his farewell, like his, his farewell address, which I I kind of read as him saying, look, I've I've served my country for decades. I'm done. I'm tired. You guys have to deal with it because at the end he says, look, you have the same religion. You have the same culture. You fought this war together. You have the same struggles and sacrifices you are a people and you can be a people but i'm i'm leaving so exit you know and but but he held like he held the country together in that that massive change from you know being colonies into the united states uh and so he was uh, i mean his his he was a sort of christian prince i mean there's questions of his faith and all that but He was kind of that for the founding of America, and yet he and he was actually had a high decorum. He um, was orderly and submitted basically uh, 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 abided by the Constitution. So I don't mean someone who's just going to show up and like tear up the Constitution and uh, like destroy the rule of law and and all that sort of thing. So but um, I, I. it, yeah, so I, I think, like, just think of George Washington like, some sort of modern figure like that. But, and the follow up I would have is do you
0: take a like Paul Gottfried approach and in, in that right wing authoritarianism is the only political path to save Western civilization? And I emphasize uh, political. You are breaking up, but you're uh, asking whether the uh, uh, Paul Gottfried approach uh, right-wing, uh, right wing uh, authoritarianism. Right-wing authoritarianism. Is that is that the only political solution?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar with what he says on that. Um, I
0: mean, maybe you've heard of the phrase I, I Protestant have... Franco. Yeah, a Protestant, Protestant Franco.
1: Franco. Uh, I see. I, I don't know. I, I think it's like who like who and. People are going to want me to like commit to, yes, a Protestant Franco. But I just don't know if I, like, I don't know if like twenty years ago we we were gonna say like yeah in 2016 Trump like Donald Trump is going to become president, and he's gonna be this like shattering earth shattering figure like uh, no, like norm shattering figure. You'd think, well, that's crazy. Why would he want him to do that? And that, he he wouldn't do that. So I, I I don't know. Ten years from now, twenty years from now, I don't know specifically what sort of person that has to be uh, for the moment. Um, somehow Trump for that moment was perfect. He, he destroyed the, 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 the media, he would mock them. He would play, he would, he would use them kind of against themselves. Like he'd use them for himself and also to discredit them at the same time. He exposed like the, the, um, the deep state he, uh, elim- oh, yeah. So anyway, I, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I, I don't know. I, I I don't know in 10, 20 years who, who exactly what sort of figure. We, I mean, we would need. you say it would have so, to
0: be more authoritarian in nature?
1: Um, I think it, ha- it should. Well, I think in the United States, at least, it would have to be within the confines of the Constitution as a sort of contract between... The federal government and the states such that the, the the state governor can resist the federal government so I, I do think there is so i don't think it should be authoritarianism uh i think there should be a sort, sort of authoritative um approach at the state level where the state governor can actually can resist the federal government i i just don't know what it even look like for an american leader to be an authoritarian who then
0: because that's that undermines thing about-
1: utterly the federalist system and the you know i i don't even know what that would what that would look like but i think just the, the, the best thing to say is that we, we should stay within the confines of the constitution by which i don't mean post-world war ii constitutional interpretation ridiculous interpretations of the 14th amendment or that but uh the, the the older understanding in the, end of the 19th century um
0: so it's interesting that you say say you know because christian nationalism can look different in different parts of the world because again nations are different and how you would implement that is different the times are different the needs are different and the biblical responses to those need to be tailored to the societies in which they're in like you know old i guess i'm not really a theonomist and i know you're not really a theonomist and one of the reasons is you know there's not a you know bible verse on you know transing kids is wrong and how to exactly navigate that but we know because the law is written on our heart that this is absolutely abhorrent and should be punished so we so you know modern solutions or modern problems require modern solutions as dave chappelle once put it so in in terms of christian nationalism like do you see any global examples or uh say let's start out with modern day do you see like victor orban as like a an example or you know like president of Uganda. I don't know what his name is or like the Zambians because they have a very Christian nationalist constitution uh, that they have. Uh, do you see like those as modern examples of Christian nationalism or?
1: Yeah, I see those as yeah, as in part uh, Christian national. I think Hungary is probably the the best example. I don't think it's a yeah, like you said, every nation's different. So H- Hungary isn't necessarily a model for us as if we need to look at how they've arranged themselves. And, and But the, the fact that the Hungarians have this kind of collective will for, the, for themselves, that as Hungarians, and to say that we are going to remain Hungarian and not kind of succumb to the pressure of the EU and outside pressure, I think that's absolutely a necessary principle uh, that we would have to, as the United States, apply to ourselves. Um, so, so yeah, I think that that's one example I'm not I know Uganda passed like the, the, like anti-gay law. I don't, I don't know anything else about Uganda other than that, that law. Um, and, but, but I think just generally the, the willing, the, the willingness to say, this is right, this is who we are and we're not going to be, and we're going to actually act for our own good. I mean Uganda
0: is about eighty seven percent I think I religiously identifies as Christian, thirteen percent Muslim yeah. and within the Christian breakdown, it's like Catholic Anglican, other Protestant uh, you know so there's just some fun facts um yeah. about Uganda. so I think that that's a fascinating Zambia. I think you know there's a reason why it's vodi Bakum that's in Zambia right? yeah, he's in Zambia, right? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's a reason why he's there and, you know, advancing the kingdom there and all that. Uh, and, you know, and is that a seminary there, if I re- ever recall? So, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in Zambia. Uh, I-, I look at Victor Orban and I see that this is because I think he's reformed Protestant. And I see, like, if you look at the statistics regarding Hungary as a nation and then they have this reformed protestant leader he's not like perfect or anything like his covid policy was atrocious but other than that you know he's made it difficult for left wing politics to get elected in this country he's taken steps on you know the gay stuff and trying to do something about the immigration crisis in europe so you see him as a uh you know christian leader in some respects but it's also like christianity because of you know you could call christian nationalism in hungary has an outsized influence in that nation Mm -hmm. but they statistically don't really have like hungary is not that christian of a nation yet because of a strong a strong man leader it projects that more than uh i I blacked out for a second it projects that more than what you would expect Does, does that make sense what i said
1: yeah, no. So they are in a, yeah, hungry in, in a kind of formal sense, you could say is Christian. I, I don't know what their constitution or constituting documents say, but they'll talk about themselves as a Christian. I had a conversation must've been about, about 10 months ago or so, um, with actually Hungarians. They were from, uh, you know, they weren't, they weren't like American, like Hungarian Americans, they, they were Hungarians from Hungary. And I talked about religion, and the thing everyone would, you know, Hungary would identify as Christian, either usually among like Protestant or Roman Catholic. Almost all of them were Arpado Baptists, and very very low religiosity. Except when they have a child, they get their child baptized. And if they don't baptize their child, is actually weird. So it's it's something that very expected that you'd have a child to get baptized. So there is a a, a high um, a type of cultural Christianity in Hungary. Uh, and there's a self-conception as Christian. The problem is it's it's they don't have high religiosity in practice. So that, that's converting definitely... that, converting that perception to genuine belief.
0: But now it appears yeah. that those with a religiosity have an outstretched influence or an outsized influence compared to their actual group.
1: Well, so I think I, it's also just I, so deeply think, wedded to the Hungarian idea of itself. Right. So to be to not be like to be Hungarian is to be is to be Christian. Uh, and uh, like, it's, yeah, it's part of the self-conception.
0: So um, that's the self-conception we need to bring back to the United States that, you know, American is America's is yeah. Christian nation. Uh, our, our leaders should be Christian. Our culture should be Christian. And then, you know, you could get like a strong Christian leader in office once again, because I'm not sure, you know, I, I I don't know if you were to reckon like, when's the last time we had a Christian leader, uh, a Christian president of the United States? I mean, Eisenhower, yeah, yeah. maybe.
1: Yeah, Calvin Coolidge. I, I don't I don't know how Alvin uh, uh, Eisenhower's faith. but I mean, he he certainly he certainly enacted a bunch of, of like pro-Christian uh uh what what was it that he uh what, what in god we thing? trust
0: is the official model yeah, yeah, I, th- I think uh, that's right. under yeah. God and the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh yeah something about you can't be gay and work for the federal government. I think uh was Eisenhower because you know you would be a liability uh for blackmail stuff like that and cold war but
1: I mean the thing is though that this is this is one of the myths that like can serve as a belief since like I don't know probably at least be- at least by Reagan, and after after Reagan, and that's this idea: of the United States is really just kind of a melting pot or, or a kind of salad bowl of different different religions. Different doesn't matter what religion you are. The self conception of the country is it's just kind of this open, like an open society for anyone. But that actually, for most of American history, that just is, was not the case. Uh, people throughout the nineteenth century, Americans understood themselves to be a Christian people. Uh, early 20th century, even even like left-wing people identified the country as being Christian. So like the, the, the uh, I remember John Fia, like the historian, um, he wrote the book, like, is, is American Christian nation? He made a big deal about all you conservatives think that you're part of this great Christian America tradition. But look, in the 20th, early 20th century, the progressives were Christians and said they were Christians and believed in the social gospel and they were left-wing um, so the, the point being, for my purposes, is that even the left and even and the right in, in put the put early 20th century believed the country was uh, was Christian, um, and like the the social gospel, like the progressives thought, well, if we are Christian, then shouldn't we have better policies to, you know, help the poor? Shouldn't we help the marginalized? Um, you know, so w- whether those were right or wrong, the point being is that they they understood along with people those to the right that were in a Christian country uh, and the Eisenhower administration, like you, uh, as you mentioned, believe this as well. And I think it wasn't until like the seventies, eighties, nineties, when this started to kind of slip away and the myth of like the huddled masses of anyone from anywhere started to come about. And really the idea of the, the melting pot, which was conceived by a Jewish guy in New York city, like 1905, um, and spread through kind of the Protestant establishment into the 50s and 60s uh well well, from there into the 50s and 60s and and became like the governing dogma of the united states uh in in that period uh and so um the the, i mean again the the point being uh, in my rambling i guess it's getting late so that's what i do in 10 30 at night um is uh is that everyone believed we're a christian country until recently um and that that's essentially what that's Christian or that's American history so yeah I think you it's history. gone now but we, we need to recover that my point is that we need a heritage of like we have a heritage of faith in the country and we can you know I said not don't be nostalgic but we still because we have that heritage we can move forward in light of that and kind of recover that um how you do that is is very challenging um, but uh nevertheless it's still there um, so we don't have to like abandon our American tradition in order to recover Christian America. It like literally is our tradition to be Christian America until a, a few decades ago. So we can we can work to recover that.
0: So uh, and, another... and kind of okay. comparing America to Hungary, America is kind of more than two predominant Christian or Christian sects and I use Christian loosely and there's apostate and orthodox sex um, with all these denominations. I mean, how does like the issue of first table laws be decided with a lot of the doctrinal differences that vastly exceed those that would have been present in America's founding? And is there like a line? Between... Uh, you are cutting out. Can you like reconnect I, I your think... audio? But I think Stephen yeah, might have gotten I, I picked. I anyway. picked it up.
1: Is there... Yeah. So, so first, table, first, first table, permissible first table
0: duties. Just what? Yeah. Should what, what is uh, prudent?
1: Yeah, so I think at the very bottom, at the very basic level, I think Sabbath laws um, at, uh, of some form can be enacted, and if you know that that would be Sunday. So I think to, um, yeah, that that there's nothing, there's really nothing. Well, there's a lot more Christian, but that, that's a very Christian practice to to say, hey, we're going to devote this time uh, to worship. So I think that that is something that should not be controversial because it. Like, even like Bap- Baptists who, who, who people who may not agree with it, they still take advantage of it on Sunday. Um, you know, it doesn't affect them because they already usually have Sunday off and that they'll go to church anyway. So, um, th- that's probably the least controversial or least kind of impactful of people. But so I think that is a basic thing, that's a basic law, uh, basic set of laws. Well, I
0: mean, right what even is Sabbath oh, but yeah, law? But there's but there's yeah. other
1: laws though. What's that? What uh, even is, what a, is Sabbath a Sabbath? Because
0: I mean you got multiple different interpretations of the Sabbath, being like you have sixteen eighty-nine, obviously Westminster's not that far off. Then you have more of your John, John MacArthur Martha's has a unique uh view of the Sabbath. Who would not necessarily who would actually Well the thing is
1: even even if this is not like the the, the purpose of is it's not saying it's not saying you must go to church. It's saying that you can't. You can't like Wendy's isn't open and Taco Bell and like Chili's. Like the the restaurants are not open. the the unnecessary the, the non essential businesses will be closed. That's essentially. That's basically what what a Sabbath law would be. Um, and if people have different different interpretations, that that's fine. But I could, if if the Sabbatarians are in power, then they, then they should enact uh, those laws. Um, but is it so,
0: prudent for, you know, obviously forming the society? You have, let's say, 20%, or let's say it's more split, or it, it's not like you have 80% of your, it's not an overwhelming majority or 1689 Sabbatarians. Well, he's paid a, you're paid a Presbyterian, right? Yeah. Or Westminster guys. But like, let's say, is it necessarily prudent for that to be a priority versus, Necessity. I uh, like it if it would what, violate the peace with like the MacArthur Sabbatarian or the MacArthurites, I guess. Well, I
1: mean, but what's MacArthur going to do? Preach about it? Fine. He can stand up on Sunday and preach like, I want to go to Chili's after I'm done with the sermon. He can stand up and do that all he wants. Like, oh, I want to go to my favorite Mexican restaurant right now after church. Fine, but go go ahead Pastor MacArthur preach on that all you want um yeah and, and I don't think he and, and I don't think he's going to start a riot over it um it, it would be surprising that like uh okay what about Roll California, Tide it, like, what about Roll Tide day?
0: Evangelicals
1: I don't know what's that
0: like you know your southern salt of the earth type of person that loves themselves some you know football on Sundays and stuff like that
1: I, I, don't, I don't know what to tell them. I mean they, they can uh the, the, I don't know. I mean this is like I don't know like like every every like uh every every situation place is going to be different. Um but and and maybe in some places maybe it won't be prudent I guess if there's if they break the peace but uh I I just think at the basic level that that's Cuz I'm not
0: arguing the Bible would say you can't do that just because yeah. obviously i think because obviously the law of moses has a lot of sabbath laws in it so it's not necessarily you can't it's just whether it, it's whether you should for particularity yeah. purposes
1: well th- this isn't i mean so uh, i think one thing that i've said it so many times like i forget to say it um, when i say like we should have sabbath laws i'm not saying like oh well we god says we have to do it therefore we have to do it necessarily we have to ban restaurants and you're bringing up the, the like the permissibility prudence thing. Is it prudent? Which is exactly how I would approach something as well. Um, and uh, but the reason you'd have a Sabbath law is actually for the good of people, it's not simply to obey God who's directed that we ought to do this and for no other reason. It's that, hey, it's good for people to not have these distractions on on Sunday, um, and to and uh to, to focus on the worship of God on that day. So it's for the good of man. Um, and not everyone's going to agree, but I think that if you have a majority of, of people, or if you have a, a minority who wants it a lot, uh, wants it. And then I think they should enact it. Um, and, uh, that can be at the county level, I guess it's uh, pro- probably best to be at the county level. Um, uh, I guess the state could do it as well, but, so that's just one, but I mean, like the, the like second table or, or, um, second commandment issues. That's where things get really complicated or not really complicated but probably where the prudent side is best to kind of just uh it's a lot of imprudent things so that that would be like the the form of work like so second commandment deals with kind of the form of worship and so probably positive and negative laws with regard to that is probably not wise or um necessary in the american because then you get
0: into whether a tv show can portray jesus
1: yeah yeah like whether passion yeah can be made. yeah that that'd be challenging because it that's yeah that's a new, unique question but um yeah well, something like that though i mean so in some in some places of course like in geneva and other places having depictions of god or having depictions of christ was was something that they would toss out not, not permit because of their understanding of depictions of the divine but um but in the American context, that just wouldn't be – I don't think it would be prudent to do that. And you wouldn't even find a a, a strong majority of people who even affirm that or even know yeah. that's an issue. Or a, a critical mass, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A couple guys in a comment section might bring it up, and
0: that's about it.
1: But I, I do think, though, like like atheism. I think atheism and uh, uh, would would be suppressed, uh, should be suppressed. Um, people get all freaked out about that, but I, I think it should Evolution. be.
0: Evolution darwinian evolution banned from public yeah. schools
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i guess so yeah I, I, I haven't thought of i haven't actually thought about that, well, that's that, their, that uh, but, but that could be right yeah um but i i think like atheism does, wouldn't necessarily be banned it would just uh it would just be kind of looked down upon and it would be kind of socially damaging to be an atheist and kind of like you know if you're you know quote unquote racist. Uh, you can like lose all sorts of social standing. It's very okay, bad for you. What, I what think are your thoughts on
0: uh, religious tests for civil offices that, you know, this country was founded upon, so to speak, you know, I assume like all the founding fathers had to pass a religious test in order to, you know, sign the declaration of independence or be a governor, uh, be. A well, senator. I mean, the const-
1: yeah, I, I don't know about like to be in the continental, Cong- continental Congress, but the, I mean, the Constitution said there'd be no religious test for office. So, for any federal office, there's no religious test. Well, but the, the state, state offices did. But the states, in many states, there was. I would say most states, time and time would know, would be able to rattle off all these in his head. But, um, but the but m- most of the states had like religious tests of some kind. They were all kind of different. Some said you have to be Protestant. Some said you have to be Trinitarian. Some said you have to believe in God and hell, um, or you know, an afterlife. Um, but yeah there was a, a type of religious test so i'm i'm yeah i'm certainly f- uh for that uh, uh but at the same time like I, I prefer to also have a a culture that would expect that and we kind of still do have that there's we we generally have a negative feeling towards atheists and that's why i'm almost all e- even joe biden affirm. says
0: he's the most catholic president ever
1: yeah so you still have to be like in the united states you still have to be claim to be religious. Uh whether that includes like if you're Hindu, you have to be a serious Hindu. Um unless you know, you're like a Vivek
0: Ramaswamy.
1: Yeah. Well no, well like him I didn't he just recently say that he was serious about his faith as I mean, well. So he's I mean, so
0: serious he doesn't name what God he worships. No, he, he's a Vatican II uh Christian. <laughs> okay. I, um, I I I don't know. I don't think anything's uh genuine about him. I just think you know, you, you you say you're a Hindu and then you're saying oh Judeo Christian values is like what? Uh, but I, I'm digressing a little bit. Anthony, if you have another question, I'm gonna read this uh chat uh by Yurder. Uh, love your book, Christian Nationalism or Bus. That's for you because I haven't published my book. <laughs> so yeah, and well, uh, thank
1: you, thank you, Yurder. I mean, Two dollars,
0: all right. A lot of the criticism on Christian nationalism kind of shifted away from you and towards more of the I guess the charismatic side like uh, uh and I mm-hmm. name uh, Michael Flynn and uh Sean Foyt as the two examples as the poster children of like charismatic Christian nationalism do you have any thoughts on this segment or this brand of Christian nationalism <clears throat> and I guess
1: whether yeah you know I I don't I don't follow uh, I probably should, but I I just don't follow a lot of that stuff. I, I know that I, I hear. I, I've seen and read some things on on kind of the what, you know, the, those guys uh, and I, I uh, w- one of the things I tried, oh, I tried to make kind of clear up front. I think I made clear in the introduction was basically I'm not I'm not affirming what people have said or have not have said i not said that uh, Christian Nationals is. And I, I've just, I tried to build my own kind of theory of what it is. So I I didn't say, what are people saying about it? And then I went off to give the case for what people are saying about uh, what saying Christian nationalism is. But yeah, I mean, the, the the problem with a lot of those guys is they have this, this, this like sacralized view of the United States as a sort of chosen nation over against other nations. And, and I, I don't, I don't agree with that. So I think, I think you can have a Christian nation of course. And I do think that you can have a uniquely blessed nation um, in, in history and like it, through the course of Providence. But um, yeah, th- those guys I I'm not obviously on, on that on their side, but I, I don't like counter signal them either. I, like the thing with like evangelicals just broad, broadly speaking is they, they, um, I, I I consider them just generally as allies. And if I knew them, like if I talked to them in person, I would say I disagree with this, and here's why you don't have to believe this to be a Christian nationalist and want you know America to be a Christian nation, all that. Um so I don't I don't like counter signal them uh for, for that reason. But
0: yeah, it's just interesting that you know you're one of the thought leaders on Christian nationalism, but they try to paint, you know, Marjorie Taylor Green's the thought leader. Or Michael Flynn, who I don't even know yeah, how much... He's relevant. not a... I don't even think he's a preacher, so... Which is why I've never even bothered to write about him. Just I mean, Sean not... Foyt, I, I like the fact that he's a man of action, but he's pretty weird otherwise, and tied with the Bethel crowd. And they try to say, hey, Christian nationalism is teaching the Seven Mountains thing. And it's like, well, even the Seven Mountains is, you know, a flawed theory or flawed analytical tool, if you want to use that type of language. But it's like, it's not unbiblical to say that christians should know what they're good at and then do and master what they're good at if you're good at being if you get if you're into politics go into politics and be a christian in politics if you're in business be a christian in business like and if you're an entertainment be an entertainer christian entertainer and all that other stuff that, that stuff's not bad i mean I, I think they have like an eschatological bend to it but uh, I don't think that part's necessarily bad, and that's kind of what Christian nationalism similar to. But you know,
1: well, I mean, the, the yeah, the regime wants to have this term that sounds scary, so they have Christian nationalism, and it, it because it uh, basically the I mean, the yeah, there's just a lot of neurosis in society, there's people neurotic and fearful, and they want to be in constant state of fear. That's what that's what the the media does and social media and so you have this term christian nationalism and they use it as like a statistical category uh like a sociological category to to really capture as many essentially white evangelicals as they possibly can and so then they ascribe to that that demographic that that voting block essentially a term that's scary and then they use that to beat them down and just beat them you know beat them down and that's that's what the the term really so they don't want to really they don't want to uh like address me so much because I, I don't fit like within their their boxes perfectly. Yeah, like you're not I don't, not a I, I don't say like the constitution is inspired. I'm not like a right. dominionist, I'm not posting all that. Um th- they want to use the term and they try to have this like you know the the regime academics like a Samuel Perry and, a, and Andrew Whitehead, these guys who study in Gorski study Christian nationalism when uh when really they're just regime academics who are kind of giving this kind of credentialed perspective which is uh on a or a credentialed like um like so, like certifying that this is a true objective thing and that they use it just to beat down their their political opponents i mean like and, and really Bob i mean who's the lone bulwark month. like who's <laughs> the lone bulwark it's going to be the evangelical and so, what do you do? You destroy the bulwark and then you unleash the uh, and then the, the, the
0: flanks, you take out the bulwark and there's nothing to protect the flanks. There's no, this, there's no center and you're just overwhelmed. It, and, and that's yeah. what people didn't get when you said that. Is like they don't understand like you know bulwark as a military term. Like there's still people on the flanks. there's still people in reserve. There's still other things in the battle line other than the bulwark. But if you take yeah. out that bulwark that it won't hold so that's what people didn't get and I kind of wonder is like should white people embrace identity politics more because it, it gets me thinking is like if white people discover block voting it's kind of over for the Democrats at least in many parts if, of the country
1: well I mean they yeah
0: um uh... But I'm not sure I like the path to get there because it you know, requires basically sowing seeds of a race, like some sort of race war. But, you know, even still, like Fox News, I think memory hold an interview recently where the guy talked about how critical race theory was anti-white and they memory hold that. Uh, they just deleted it from all their socials afterwards. And it's like, you know, that. You know, that that was one of the best arguments against critical race theory is that it was anti white. That was the best argument you could use to wake up probably the most amount of people. And it was like the most discouraged argument that the regime did not want us using, or even like a lot of regime evangelicals did not want that argument being used.
1: Yeah, I do think that, yeah. yeah. Um, I, the, I guess there's a difference between like white, I didn't identitarianism, identitarianism, how do you say it? And also recognizing that there's anti-white kind of even built into a lot of policy and even constitutional interpretation. So when they talk about when they talk about kind of racially diversifying any kind of institution or a corporation or hiring, they're essentially they're set on a a pot like they they talk about the positive side, which is we're going to hire African-Americans and and Hispanics and then that, that, but what does that mean in the kind of like, who's not getting hired? Like who's no, the, who's, it's the, the, Matt, who's the man? It's, it's like, the, like, the, Matt the man? Chandler. Yeah. Like who's the, well, yeah. Who, who's absent from that, that process Well, probably a higher qualified. uh, It would be a higher qualified, typically a higher qualified white person. The Anglo. So, yeah. So there is like built into like the way we understand civil rights laws. Um, an anti-white like that's essentially what it is or it's 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 exclusion of whites by preferencing non-whites and that's just that's just what it has become like that's that's just fact and that's what these corporations have done but i mean there's a lot of lawsuits i mean people have like the america first legal defense or whatever it's called like they're they're suing on the basis of of civil rights law saying look like you're you are discriminating on the basis of race these people are as Chandler would say, you have an Angle eight and an African American seven. You chose a seven over the eight on the solely on the basis of race. Um, and that's actually discrimination um towards the the person who is the eight. And so I th- I do think there is something that we have to talk about that more. Uh, that's different than saying let's identify like white identitarianism. And I think that's faulty, um, I think it's faulty according to, like to to reality i think because i i don't think i can identify with norwegians or swedes or um you know hungarians i it's there's too a certain, pan, it's too pan ethic yeah like like if we say that our our principle for nationalism is white nationalism well that means that it's me and then hungarians and then and then like maybe italians or french and we're all somehow that can be the principle of our civil polity that just doesn't make any sense so that's why like even in the book i don't talk about race i do say yeah nation is built on particulars history ancestry matters um, but it's not according to this like strict racial principle otherwise you have a ridiculous you can say that like your nation like i said can be a like Pluck a pluck different people from different European nations, put them together and say, Oh, no, this it'll work because we're all white. Um, that, that's does that's, that's not that doesn't make sense to me, so but, but yeah, yeah I, I do agree. Like the anti white bias within policy constitutional interpretation that's absolutely reality. I, I
0: mean, it, it might not, uh, pointing that out might not lead to white identitarianism, but it probably would wake a lot of white people up, and that would be good, but I don't, yeah. Like the idea of white people adopting block voting is like if you get that type of mentality, it it might eliminate the Democrats, but it might not also accomplish anything. And it's I I, I mean, our rules of engagement are don't sin. I feel like you might be. If you want to go down that path, you would probably have to sin to get there. So I I think that's our rules of engagement. But, uh, you know, pretty basic. Um, Anthony, if you have any more questions. Okay. I, I, I only had those four. Uh, last call for the audience. I'm just going to say, hey, if you like Evangelical Dark Web, support us over at join. That's our Patreon-like system because we built our own because Patreon censors. Um, and we wanted to avoid that as much as possible. So that's where you can go. Otherwise, the least you can do is like this video, subscribe to the channel or podcast if you are new. Uh, new subs really help with the growth of a channel. So... We'd appreciate that. Uh, social medias, you know, evangelical dark web. Uh, we have a newsletter that's free. Uh, otherwise, I didn't see any more questions come in. Uh, Steven, where can we find you? Plug your stuff.
1: Uh, I guess just Twitter. I get that goofy name. uh Just p-e-r-f-i-n-j-u-s i I will
0: get that in the description yeah that
1: that's about it as soon as i can my wife hates that handle she says i need to change it every time she sees it she gets mad at me i'm not going to change it but anyway it's late yeah you'll be locked in. in the chat said i'm sleepy and it's true it's true i had that bad dream i had that bad dream last night I woke up at four and I said, I'm not going to sit here and lay here. I'm going to get up. So I read like the morning. Four o'clock
0: is closer to when I go to bed than it is to when I
1: wake up. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I got back late because I was at a church thing. So yeah, sleepy. But anyway, yeah, it was great to have. Great to be on. All
0: right. Well, you you take care. Thank you for coming on. Uh, Have a blessed night, everybody. And we will catch you on the next one, whenever that is.